Oh, greetings from Sweden. Uh, Annika uh, told me to tell y'all that she loves you, Annika. Uh, she spent two years here with us uh, helping out with the internship, and she was a blessing to us here. But I, I will tell you this, that uh, she is not the same person that we saw here. I'm going to tell you what, she is messed up. On Jesus. I mean, that's all I know how to describe it. And she's just operating with an authority and love that I've never seen Annika operate with. And Jesse Carlisle Alger, uh, Algy Carlisle, whichever way it is, uh, uh, she, she was leading the team over there. And she's, I mean, she's been amazing. Uh, of course, the team is doing good. And uh, it was great. The crazy thing about Sweden, though, um, it scares me. Really, Sweden scares me because uh, it's a society where it feels like it's like two or three steps above beyond where we're at right now. Um, the church is literally living in fear of, uh, of declaring the Word of God as true and the things in relationship to the Word of God. It was just amazing. I, I was talking with, I had a meeting with the leadership team, and I said, What, what is truth for y'all? And they go, um, That's a really good question. We don't know. And I go, well, let me tell you what truth is for us. <laughs> you know, Jesus, the Word of God, and the Spirit of truth. And it was just really interesting. And as you're watching and seeing the uh, cult clash of culture and uh, truth and righteousness that we talked about the first year, that literally the church is being overwhelmed by the culture in that, in that region. It's really amazing. And uh, some things I learned about for us, for me individually, you know, and so, but anyway, it was a good trip, uh, one of those that were, uh, you were just constantly dealing Jesus from nine o'clock in the morning, nine o'clock at night, and, you know, just dealing with the wounded and the broken, and, and uh, got home 12 o'clock Friday night, and Paula went and got grandbabies, because Shay's on his way to Korea, and uh, he's in Korea doing a, one of those video spots, and so we got the grandbabies for a week, and so... Paula, last night, uh, about 3 o'clock in the morning, got sick where she couldn't stand up. She got dizzy, and, and uh, so thank God for Jen Collip, who we called this morning, who went and took care of Paula and the babies while I'm here. So let's do pray. Can we pray for Paula? Can I agree for healing for her? Because I don't like that. So, Lord, I just want to thank you for the privilege of being back home with brothers and sisters. And, Lord, we just... Uh, I just speak healing over my wife in the name of Jesus, and Lord, whatever's going there, I just speak healing, and, and Lord, uh, uh, Lord, I just want to thank you for this time to be together. Lord, we ask for revelation from you, revelation of heaven that can affect and change our lives, God. Lord, uh, God, just give us revelations of you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to start a series uh, called Grace Alive. Uh, there's been a lot of interesting things happening in the world in relationship to grace. And one of the things the Lord really was giving us, the heart not to necessarily speak against something, but to speak uh, just such an awesome subject about, uh, that's before us about grace. And, uh, and I believe that God is going to do a work and change in all of our lives in this. Um, but let me just tell you how we're going to do this. One of the things we're going to do is on Sunday morning, we're just going to I'm going to sort of like preach an overview of certain subjects. On Wednesday night, we're going to have a time where we're going to deal with, where we'll study, uh, just literally, I say study, I don't like that word, uh, but just really get in the Word and just really get in to see how 
grace and mercy and sin affects and how it works and how it can affect our lives. And so, uh, uh, you know, I just encourage you, if you can, come on Wednesday night. And I think uh, Tulio, I think it's also going to be on, um, there's, I believe there's child care and I believe it's also going to be on um, internet, webcam. So if anybody do it. If anybody doesn't have a handout, you should have two handouts. If you would, just lift it up and uh, lift up your hand. Swift, he'll get it to you. You'll have two. You'll have one, uh, a golden one, and which is you'll recognize the scripture memory thing. Also in this, uh, I just want to explain this to you. There's two parts of this uh, on grace. One is it's just where I just literally was just just seeing how grace functions in in men's lives, like myself. And I was just breaking it down, what are sin or obstacles they'd be in their lives and how God's grace, how kind of manifestation it had in their lives. And I just, I just how it came out. And so I just put it on the back of the notes in case you wanted to, to look at that and study that. And, uh, but on the front side, you'll see that we'll use that. You know, I was just thinking about when I was doing this, y'all, about how the grace that God has had in my life. Uh, and some of this you've heard, some of you not. But, I'm, you know, I was the guy that, that at 10th grade, Guidance counselor called me into our office and said, Rick, you'll never amount to anything. And, you know, speaking and things, hearing from people, why can't you be like your brother Bud? You know, all these things. I was the one that was getting in trouble. I'm the one that kept a, you know, whiskey in my athletic locker. I'm the one that, you know, was causing trouble at school, like driving a Jeep right down the middle of the school, you know, getting, in, getting caught by the principal and doing all kind of crazy stuff, you know. Uh, I'm the one that would... Uh, you know, finally got saved in school, and everybody thought, I think they were thought that life was going to be a whole lot better for them, but my idea was, Christian was don't smoke, don't drink, don't chew, don't go with the girls that do, and have a red Bible that matched my red pants, and go to church, and I'll be good. I did, man. I had my polyester double-knit pants, and I had my red leather-bound living Bible, and uh, yeah, I was styling it, y'all. I know the people at church thought that was my only pair of pants, but... <laughs> But I had to match my Bible. So anyway, uh, but uh, so uh, anyway, you know, I just, it was just totally a screwball, just uh, messed up. And uh, I was, you know, three years in college, freshman English. I was a senior in college, I think, taking freshman English. Well, no, I finally finished freshman English my junior year. I take that back. And, uh, and it's kind of amazing that, you know, have all this kind of craziness happen in my life. But to see God's grace manifest in my lives, I'm going, dude, God, you are just kindly out there. And I started looking and seeing how God's grace just totally carries us to places and things that, you know, you can imagine before. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing what God does. And this grace alive, uh, y'all, I want to say that this, I want to ask you as we get into this, please, when we start in this, do not uh, embrace the traditions of men in relationship to this. Because it can, it can render the Word of God in effect. I ask you to challenge the things that I say. You know, like in Acts 17, 11, you know, examine the Scriptures to see whether these things are so. Because the subject matter of sin, grace, and mercy are massive and how it affects in our lives. And to not understand is literally to either go into captivity because of lack of knowledge or people perish because of lack of knowledge. Because what is available to us is is just mind-boggling. It's really almost too good to be true. But I do declare this. It's not too good to be true because it is true. 
And so uh, I just think that God is really positioning us in a place that where we can see God's best manifested in our lives. So let's just get into this thing. The thing that the subject matter is living in victory over sin and the obstacles to life. And that's where you'll see, literally in our lives, God has called us in this destiny. We've been predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. But God is sending us, I mean, we're headed in this direction, but sin or obstacles can many times hinder that journey toward Him. And we can quit. We cannot go to that place. And the Word of God there are references to people who do stop. But I do not think that is what God has purposed for us. And so let's look at some of the things, the passage of Scripture that God put in my heart for this series is Romans chapter 6, verse 14, where it says, Sin shall not have master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Now, y'all, the first thing I want to say is, is one of the things that's happening today is let's just get rid of law. Because if you get rid of the law, law is the power of sin. You know, the law entices the flesh of sin. So let's just do away with all form of law. Well, that's called lawlessness. And we know that is uh, literally the spirit of the Antichrist. Law is good if one uses it lawfully. But law is not for the righteous man or woman. What does that mean? And we'll, as are subjects, we'll look at more extensively. But the important thing for us in this passage is, is that sin shall not have dominion over you because you're not under law but under grace. What does that mean? You know, because the one mindset is, is that you just literally, it's going to happen. Grace happens, and we don't have any way to participate in it. And you've heard me use, tell the joke before, that uh, it's sort of like predestination statement, where a guy falls down some steps, and he gets down to the bottom of steps, and he goes, I'm glad that's over with. You know, it's like he had to experience that in his life, and it was whatever God's will is going to happen, it's going to happen. And that's some of the viewpoints about grace, that whatever's going to happen, it's going to happen, and we just hold on, and some people got it, some don't. But the reality is, this you'll see as we go down through the weeks to come, there is a reservoir of grace that we're like at 2 Corinthians 9 8. God is able to make all grace abound to us. That literally goes on that in you know, every situation, all place, every, all times, have a sufficiency for every good deed, an abundance for every good deed. Our God waits on high to have compassion. He longs to be gracious to us. So God is wanting. And so sin, no master over us because God's grace. I want that. And, I, you know, I can look at that in my life, y'all. That where I didn't know what I called it at the time, but I've seen it. Where, you know, a guy that where pornography would be in a bondage for me. But God set me free. Grace set me free where it's a dead issue or or, you know, just basic scuzzballness in my life, you know. God's grace giving me victory there. So let's go on and let's talk about it. There's three elements that we need to understand. But let me just, uh, you know, with the gospel, the important thing is to keep things simple. But, uh, you know, I know this to be true. Sin is complex. The gospel's simple. And so many times when we see some of this stuff, uh, you know, you say, well, it don't need to be so complex. No, it don't. But I want to say this because uh, when I'm gonna, we're going to talk about three things, and these three things are very big things, and they could be overly simple when we look at it. And it reminds me of like the equation E equals MC squared. You know, heard me say this before. That looks like an easy equation to me because it's just got one, two, three, 
three variables in it, don't it? E equals MC squared. That's three variables, is that right? Do I, I, see, I know enough to just be dangerous and reveal my ignorance. <laughs> so, but I think there's three. I think the equal sign's not a variable, is it? Thank you. But that's three variables. But my understanding is that equation gets really big quick. And when you start trying to figure it out, and I see some of your eyes starting to look and starting to figure and calculate. But, but uh, it, it is uh, it's sort of like this. I'm going to talk about these three things, and it's like equals EMC squared. And so let's just look at it in the surface issue today. And the first thing is to talk about sin. Because it's the one thing that we're dealing with that we need to understand how it comes after us. Let me just establish this first. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 5 and 8, tells us that sin is a work of the devil. So how is it going to come after us to affect us? How is he going to manipulate to us? The first thing is I just want to define, and y'all, this first part you already know, most of you, but make sure we're all on the same pattern. Sin, the Greek word harmati, is an archery term, uh, meaning to miss the mark or the bullseye. And so we know that the mark or the bullseye for us is is the glory of God. For all of sin falls short of the glory of God. Thoughts, opinions, or recognition. So literally, sin is, think, thoughts, words, or actions that are contrary to God's thoughts and opinions for us. I.e. is go on to the far side. Thoughts, words, actions. God purposed me. I believe God's thoughts and opinions for me are Paula. Is to be married to Paula. If I had an affair with another woman, that would be to take myself and use it myself contrary to God's thoughts, opinions, and recognitions for me. That would be a form of death. So that would be, you know, a sin. I can think things or words. Power, death, and life are in the tongue, and those who love it will eat its, will eat its fruit. The whole course of nature is set on fire by the tongue. Well, God's, what if I start to confess? Well, size more, I'm nothing but a failure. Well, guess what? Satan, who accuses us before our God day and night, will, he, he needs the principle of agreement. So if I'm confessing unbelief into my life or things that are untrue, guess what? That's contrary to God's thoughts and opinions for me. This thoughts. Well, you know, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says, be careful to bring up a matter in word or thought in the presence of a messenger of God. If a man looks at a woman to lust after her, he's done what? He's committed adultery, whether or where? In his heart. So thoughts, those are, so that's, that could be sin. All right? And so as we go on, just literally missing the mark, just go on. And when you think about sin, there are two types, basic overarching types of sin you need to be aware of. In fact, I, I, I encourage you, if you go through the Scriptures... And you see the word sin, take note of whether it's mentioned singular or plural. Because a lot of times when it's used and mentioned singular, it's talking about one type of sin. And if you see it mentioned plural, it'll refer to another type of sin, of which I call it the deeds of sin. Like in, in 1 John 1, 9, you see here, if we confess our sins, notice it's plural. That is, that's an effect in relationship to actions that you or I may entertain this contrary to the glory of God. Like uh, Ephesians 4.29, be angry, sin not. Don't let the sun go down your anger. That is a deed, thoughts, word, or action. 
that that would be a deed. The antidote for that is confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us. Uh, like unforgiveness. If you hold unforgiveness against anyone, God forgive us our sins as we forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. If I entertain that action, that is a deed. Uh, if a man looks at a woman to lust after her, he's committed adultery with her in his heart. That is a deed. Those are actions. And, uh, and let's go on. And the thing we need to realize is, is that deeds create a sentence of death. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. You've got to realize this. Romans 6 passage is written to the believers. When it declares the wages of sin is death, it's, it's, it's to the believers, not unbelievers. And so, and so we're dealing with, in Hebrews 2, 2, if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, and it goes on and talks about if we neglect the salvation, how much severe punishment it goes on to say. But the reality is one sin equals one death. It's the, so what sin does it creates the condition of death. Like, for example, like I used the example of if I entered, had an affair with another woman. Okay, that is a sin. It would create the condition of death. Death means to what? Separate. So you'll see a force trying to separate me from Paula. If I entertain thoughts, like got into pornography, that would be a facet of death. It would manifest. It would try to separate my relationship with Paula and my relationship with God. You would see that force just trying to push apart. You know, do not think that in this age that, if we, just, that we don't have to worry about sin. I can't tell you two, two examples. I just tell you one is I can't tell how many times that you know, people, who, there are areas in somebody's life that they held on to for like a number of years and a, literally a demonic spirit is tormenting them in that, that deed, that effect. And to be able to see them confess that sin and instantly see them set free from a demonic enslavement. One time we were dealing with the church. He was dealing, the pastor had dealt with an affair. The effects of that, of that sin affecting that church literally just about half of that church dealt with sexual immorality. It was loosed into them, causing massive effects. Sin, the wages of sin is death. And so we need to be aware of that. It's real. Sin is, is, creates death. In, in our society today, we're trying to just smooth over and say there's no sin. We're trying to put a, a, a blanket over it. Don't worry about sin now. I don't want to focus on the sin. That's not the solution. Focusing on sin is not the solution. I don't like going to a, I don't like going to a septic tank and looking at a septic tank. That's not one of my joys. That's what sin is. Deal with it, flush it, and send it, you know? You know, Max and Francis, we got diapers that we take very quickly to get rid of those diapers, you know? We keep the bag outside in the house, and it's interesting to me. You know, if you put a bag of food outside, the dogs will get in it. You put a di bag of dirty diapers outside, dogs don't mess with it. <laughs> you know? So, so I think they got wisdom there. So anyway, so you got, you got deeds of sin, which cause death. Okay, let's go on. Let's go on and deal with, uh, let me give you a couple examples of this. Peter's boast in this is really interesting. Watch this. You know, when Jesus in, in John 13 tells him he's leaving, 
Jesus answered and said, where I go, you cannot follow, follow me now, but you will follow me later. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Now, realize this, okay? This is Peter declaring something. In the presence of the king of kings. Okay, he may be veiled, but he still has some stuff. He declares, I'll lay my life down to you. Notice Jesus' response. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? And he says, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Literally, what's happening is, as we see in the book of James, where it says, you know, do not make such boastings, for all such boastings are evil. And literally, you set a, you set a day, you just say, I will not. You create an atmosphere for yourself to be tempted. And that's what Peter did. It's interesting to me that Peter did not just only deny Jesus. Look in Galatians chapter 2, when Paul, Paul and Peter are down in Antioch, and there Peter is hanging out with the, 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 um, the Gentile Christians, and all of a sudden the Judaizers come down there, and you know what Peter does again? He denies the people. And Peter and Paul has to rebuke Peter to his face and calls him a hypocrite. And it's interesting to me, this deed, this boast here, didn't end here. It, it continued on, and Peter had to deal with it. Peter, Paul had to deal with it in Antioch. So you'll see an effect of, deed of the, a deed of sin. Let's go on and look at another one here. This one's an interesting one, David, where you'll see this is a deed of sin, where David has an affair with, um, with Bathsheba. Was it Bathsheba? My mind's gone blank. Bathsheba? Yeah. And he says, you have struck down, and, and he kills her husband, by the way, and you've struck down Uriah the Hittite and have taken his wife to be your wife, and you've killed him with the sword of the sons of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah to be your wife. Now, get that. That's a deed of sin. That's an effect of sin creating a form of death. It, death is going to permeate his family. Okay? And those are consequences of sin. Now, that's Old Covenant. That's real. There's, there, are co there are consequences of sin in the New Testament. But how do we deal with them? How do we gain victory? Is different. Okay? And we'll talk about those at later times. But I want you to just get this basic principle. Deed of sin creates a condition of death to separate. Death of death, separation from God, death of relationships, death of purpose, death of vision, whatever it may be. Now, let's go on. Second facet that we need to understand is there is a nature of sin. And that's where you'll see singular. You'll see the word sin used in singular. And notice here in Romans chapter 5, 519, you don't see it mentioned in here. Uh, let me just recall to you Romans 512. For by one man sin entered into the world, therefore death spread to all men. The condition of sin entered in and spread. And so what we're dealing with is for through as one man's disobedience, Adam's, the many were made sinners. Even so, through the obedience of the one, the many were made righteous. When Adam and Eve sinned, it created an atmosphere of death, a sin that permeated. Uh, you know, I love my grandbabies. I really do. But you know what? I have not had to teach them how to do. And that is sin. You know, I have not had to teach. They, you know, I wish I could sit here and tell you 
when I say, Max, do this, he goes, yes, Papa. And he goes and does it. You know, you, know, you remember Bill Cosby's uh, video, Bill Cosby himself, that where he, you know, where they were thinking about having to deal with parents who were dealing with brain condition where they would repeat things. Stop, 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 stop. You know, no, 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 no. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you do that. I, I caught myself doing that yesterday. Because <laughs> we're walking down near the creek, and, and the creek's very fast right now. And I catch myself, bah, 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 no, 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 don't go there, you know. And uh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to sign up for freedom teams. I don't know. <laughs> so let's go on. So let me give you some examples of this. How about Joseph? Because just catch the reality, y'all. Our, this is called flesh, sinful flesh. And so this carries on. But everybody's flesh looks different. Joseph was, jo- Joseph was a spoiled, uh, proud, not, you know, I don't want to judge him, but, but watch this. You know, Joseph, get, get this scene. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons. That's not helping the matter. Because he was son of, an old, of his old age, he made him a very colored tunic. You watch this. Anytime Joseph wanted to show off, he wore this tunic. When he wanted to push his authority with his brothers, he would wear this tunic. Like when he went to check on his brothers, guess what he's wearing? The tunic. Dude, if I was him, and I called out how my brothers didn't like this, I think I'd have worn something over the tunic. If he liked it. But anyway, watch this. What he said. He said to them, please listen to this dream which I had. And he related it to his father and to his brothers. And his mother, his father rebuked him and said to him, rebuked him. For what? Watch this. Can you go to the next slide? He said, uh, what is this dream that you've had? Shall I and your mother and your brothers actually come and bow down ourselves down before you to the ground? What he's communicating, these visions he's had. Having a vision is one thing. But how you communicate it is a whole other thing. I mean, I, I know the dude's wearing that tunic going, dude, BJ, you down, brother. Bow, brother. Practice. Go ahead, back, Brittany. You know? <laughs> that's it. I mean, that's what he's doing. I mean, that's, that's, what is that? That's a nature of sin. It's totally different than you see the guy in Genesis chapter 46. Different scene. Different scene. Go to the next slide. How about Paul? I mean, I, I just call Paul a hateful religious Zealot. I just don't know how to describe it. I wouldn't say bigot, but it was. Watch this. So, so then I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And this is just what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I like many of the saints in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, but also when they were about to be put to death, I cast my vote against them. That's not a cool nature. You catch it. In fact, it's an important thing to note. Your nature, B.C., will be opposite of your nature in the Spirit. The destiny that God has for you in the Spirit, you'll see your sinful flesh will be the opposite. Like, uh, like uh, Saul, the nature of the, fl- the, the flesh with Saul tries to kill the nature of the Spirit in David. Ishmael tried to kill uh, Isaac. Rick, you know, it's kind of interesting. In my life, the, the things in the flesh for me are opposite of how I am now. And it's probably be true for you. I look at BJ. I'm sitting here. Hey, he got, you know one of the ways he got saved? He robbed a church. <laughs> Did you? 
He robbed a church. How about that? Now he's singing worship in a church. If, you, if we were suspicious, you go, hey, watch the offering box when BJ goes by. You know, you know but that ain't BJ. But that's in the flesh. That's in the flesh. BJ in the flesh. I think what happened, too, one of those church ladies got a hold of him, too, didn't she? Didn't you want him to Stole from the church. That woman got on his head, boy. <laughs> didn't they sentence you to do stuff at the church or something? They just asked me to come to a service. Oh, they asked him to come to a service. That's it. Them little ladies pray over you. I like that. I like that. So anyway, that's a sin, sin affecting two ways, deeds or nature or flesh. Now let's, let me show you one other thing that we need to understand when we start getting into this before we get into mercy and grace. Or what I call obstacles. Another way to look at it is adversities. You know, trials, tri tribulations, temptations, uh, wildernesses, um, testings. But what I see in the Word of God is... is uh, Oh, yeah. Think about it. Just every destiny before God, there'll be an obstacle. Always. You know, and I always kind of got frustrated, God. Why is it that there'll be an obstacle before something you're trying to really do massively in my life? Like Abraham, he has a destiny to be a father of many nations. Problem? But without coming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body now as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. That's an obstacle. Literally what I call a physical impossibility. Because think about this, y'all. Many of you in here, there's some calls of God that God's got in your life and you look at it and there's a physical impossibility. Maybe just hit me, BJ. Maybe I'll have a call of God to be a worship leader because it's impossible for me to... Sing. You know, I'm the only person in the dwelling place who's been ever asked not to sing or to clap. <laughs> True. That was you, Tulio. Where are you? That was him. We were a big stone gap. He said, shh, Rick, don't clap, don't sing. You're messing everybody up. <laughs> Rebuke him. Didn't you? <laughs> See? Maybe I've got a call of God. It's a physical impairment. See, the Holy Ghost come upon me like Saul. The Holy Spirit came on in my I sing. Oh, you didn't clap. <laughs> yeah, how about it? So physical impossibility. Okay, let's go to the next thing. What do you see? These obstacles. Literally. Where do we see Peter? I love this one. This one makes me feel so good. You know, now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John, they understood that they were uneducated and untrained. Praise God. <laughs> when I was in Sweden last week, I was at a train stop, you know, and there was a lady I ran into that was, lived in America. And I probably said, I don't know, probably three or four words, and she goes, you're from the South, aren't you? <laughs> How could you say that? I just said a few words. She said, oh, it's obvious. <laughs> you know, and I think about what I was thinking about uneducated and untrained. I was thinking about when I was in seminary and I was taking preaching class. And y'all heard me say this before, but it was, it was. It was one of the most traumatic events in my life. I mean, they, I had to dress, wear a coat and tie, and I had to stand still. And I had to hold the pulpit like this and sin, missing the mark. 
Mark is the glory of God. Hallelujah. <laughs> and, I, you know, they, they videoed it. And they put it, you know, they, they, after the video, they shipped it to the library, and you had to go watch it. And, and I was just trying to get some feedback, and so I asked Paula to go to the library and watch this preaching video of me. So she watches it, and she's on her way back, and she goes, she's praying, literally true. Jesus, how do I tell Rick he's not called to preach? <laughs> and I go, go, Peter. Go. You know. So anyway, obstacles. You know, many of you may in here go, I say, God wants you to preach right now. You go, I'm not trained. Praise God. You know, praise God. Let's go on. Next one. Now, I'm not, that's not an excuse for ignorance, but I'm, but I'm not going there. How about this, Joseph? How about injustices? I mean, Joseph getting thrown into, get thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, going and go, getting put in prison. And notice this. I mean, uh, this is what is said in, in Genesis chapter 40, verse 15, when he's telling the baker and the cupbearer about his situation. And notice the words, and notice how he, the tone of the words that he says here also. But it's, it's getting the condition of an obstacle to his destiny. I mean, he's got these dreams, y'all. I mean, he's got some dreams to fulfill. But he's in a pit. <laughs> he's in prison. And he was kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews. And even here I have done nothing <laughs> that they should put me into the dungeon. Injustice. Many of you may be going, oh, I've had things done in my life. I didn't have a dad, I didn't have a grandpa, you know, whatever it may be, I didn't have it. You're a victim. That's an obstacle. That's an obstacle. An injustice. You know, and get this. He told the baker and the, and the uh, cupbearer to remember him. Get me out of this prison. That's what he's saying. Remember, well, the baker gets killed. And the cupbearer forgets and notice that verse there in verse 41. Now it happened at the end of two full years. How do you like that? He told the cupbearer two years later. Two years, y'all. And he'd already been in there a while. That's a pretty good obstacle. But y'all, where sin is or obstacles are, grace, what? Abounds them more. I, I think I messed that up. Some another. Sounds good anyway, doesn't it? But anyway, so let's just talk about this real quick about the mercy and grace of God in relationship to overcoming the, the sin and the obstacles that we face in our lives. Now, y'all, this is very important that for us to understand the difference between grace and mercy. It's interesting to me as I see and listen to people talk about maybe sin and they'll put grace and they're calling grace mercy and mercy grace and and they're going back and forth, and I, and I think about that great theologian, philosophical guy in the Princess Bride movie. I forgot what his name the guy, bald-headed guy. You remember? He kept saying, inconceivable. You remember that? But I remember Amingo Montoya's famous words to him. I do not think that means what you think it means. <laughs> Y'all remember that? Watch somebody go home tonight and watch that movie. <laughs> I may be doing it. So. But anyway... When I hear people talk about grace and mercy, I go, I don't think that means what you think it means. And so let's just lay some foundations, just some basic foundations. When we're calling forth, when we're dealing with sin issues, we need the mercy of God. 
as a foundation. And, and so what is it? Mercy is the compassion, forgiveness that is given to a person when he or she sins or cannot help themselves. Now that's our definition, but let's let the Word of God define to us. Go to the next one in Romans chapter 11, verse 30 through 33. But just as you were once disobedient to God, but now have been shown mercy. So you're disobedient, you're given mercy. It goes on, it says, because they're disobedient, so they'll also have been disobedient. Let's go to the next one. And it goes, so that because of mercy shown to you, they also may be shown mercy. Now here's the big statement. For God has shut up all in disobedience, so that mercy, that he may show mercy to all. If I sin against God, I ask for forgiveness, I receive mercy. If I sin against Mitch, and I was kidding in the first service, you know, there's been a few times in my life that I've sinned against him, you know, a few times, maybe this week, you know. But his response is when I sin against him is to give me mercy. Now, I want to say this, y'all. Mercy is conditional. You know how it's conditional? Two things. Two, one, at least two things. One is ask. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins. Second is forgive. Forgiven, you will be what? Forgiven. Condemned, and you will be condemned. So if you want to be, receive mercy, it would be a wise thing to give mercy. And so that's why I try to be merciful is that I need a whole bunch of mercy in my life. And so, so when you think mess up, you need mercy. Okay? That's not grace. That's mercy. And so, going to the next slide, let's give you a couple examples of this. How about David? Man, David. Adultery and murder. We already talked about that. Where we're... Um, Nathan comes and rebukes him and says, you've despised the word of the Lord and by doing evil in the sight and have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword. Okay, that's not cool. Notice the next paragraph, that's out of 2 Samuel 24, where David does a sinful census. 70,000 people are killed. 70,000 innocent people are killed. That is not cool. I mean, David lacked in his fathering skills with Absalom and Ammon and Tamar. I mean, David sinned. Murder, adultery. But go to the next slide. Notice how I said at the top, but God. That comes out of Ephesians chapter 2, where it says, 2 4, where it says, we were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But it says, but God, being rich in mercy. But that's why I like that. But God being rich in mercy. Get this statement about David. After he had removed him, he raised him up to be up David to be their king, concerning him who also testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. Y'all, let that sink in. Man, dude murdered. Dude committed adultery. Those good, man, if you're going to have big, big sins, that's a big one. You murdered an adultery. Dude, you write you off. Leader, 70,000 people killed. Fathering, dude, you need to be struck out. But God's mercy, because notice, uh, go back one slide, Sarah. Notice David's heart, where he would always go. 
Look at this. I am in great distress. Let us fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great. David knew the mercy of God. Y'all, when the word of God says the blood of Jesus cleanses us and forgives us, I've got it backwards, forgives us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness, you know what it means? Oh, it's done. It's forgiven. It's cleansed. Y'all, yesterday, I shared with y'all earlier about poopy diapers. We took them to the dump, and I have forgotten about them. I did not put them in a closet to remind Francis and Max what I have done for them in the past. Think about it. You could, parents, do that. Right, Melissa? They could remind them many years from now, going, here, look what I did for you. But, you know, but that's not what God does. David was forgiven to declaration at where, where God said, a man who will do all my will. The first time I read that passage of Scripture, y'all, I'm going, God, you're not reading the same Bible I'm reading. But you know what? That is amazing. Because, y'all, if we see somebody that had an affair, we've seen somebody that murdered somebody, we've seen somebody that done sin, you know what we'll have a tendency to do? That's how we'll see them. Mitch, share your thing about the snapshot. Got, um, yeah, uh, probably about I don't know. It's been about six or seven years ago. At an encounter, the Lord just really kind of downloaded a a little teaching, and I've shared it off. I've shared it a couple times through the years, but um, especially in relationship to Joseph, you know, if, if somebody, anybody had a, if Joseph in, at any time in his life, especially after his brothers had thrown him into the pit, you know, all the way up until he was in a second in command. So if you'd have taken a snapshot of that any anywhere in there, you know, 